0: Welcome to cargo Facts Connect, the podcast and video series of cargo Facts, the newsletter of record of the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. This is the weekly wrap of what's happening in the world of freighters and conversions. It is Friday, October 29th, 2020. I'm Charles Kaufman, Senior Editor of cargo Facts, and I'm joined today by CargoFacts Associate Editor, Jeff Lee. In this special CargoFacts Symposium edition of the weekly wrap, I'm pleased to also welcome a special guest to our podcast, Jim Edgar, Senior Consultant of Cargo Facts Consulting. Now, for those of you who don't already know Jim, his rich career in aviation spans more than 50 years and includes both commercial and military experience in various passenger and cargo positions. Most recently, Jim retired from Boeing after more than 30 years um, and, and was in his last position as Regional Director of cargo marketing for nearly 25 of those 30 years, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. In that capacity, he was also on the board of directors of the International Air Cargo Association and chair of its education and research committees. So, very broad experience across the industry. Jim, it is a pleasure to welcome you to Cargo Facts Connect.
1: Thanks so much. Appreciate the kind introduction, and looking forward to contributing to this uh, podcast. We're we're equally excited to have you here. Now, we've just presented the
0: 26th annual Cargo Facts Symposium, you know, and for the first time, it was presented as an all virtual event. Uh, But I I would say, you know, from my perspective, despite the lack of in-person meetings, the the event uh, remained an excellent forum for thought leaders across the air cargo industry uh, to connect and, and meet face to face during this incredibly difficult time for for the industry. Uh, and Jim, I'm I'm really interested in you know hearing from you after um, you know many years in this, this business and you've you've been to a few Cargo Fax symposium uh, symposiums in, in the past. You know, what were what were some of the major things that stood out to you this year? Um, from from the event, I, I know you you were um, a very involved participant in in many of the
1: sessions. Yeah, um, uh, well, a couple of things um, in thinking about this podcast that you kindly offered um, was the timing of it was interesting in that uh, the very first day of the event, uh, the a three twenty one P to F went into service. And then the last day, the Calita Triple Seven Three Hundred ER conversion order was uh, for three was uh, mentioned. So I thought uh, that was really propitious timing uh, in terms of the industry. And you know, you, you usually expect that they'll might be uh, if you're very fortunate uh, a major announcement. But uh, I thought that was most interesting the the uh, timing of all that. But uh, I have to say a a couple of things. Uh, First of all, in terms of the quality of the panelists, I was very, very pleased. uh, And I thought that uh, it went together very well. Your growth panel included a a variety of different uh, operators and perspectives. Um, The the wide body panel was uh, very interesting and the narrow body panel as well. But I thought the quality of the panelists the interview with Rich uh, was just really uh, well done. I was also, you know, and this is a, a little bit longer term uh, takeaway based on my years in the industry. It, it always impresses me how resilient the air cargo industry is. Um, whether it's SARS or whatever the crises, um, the air cargo industry uh, historically has fared much, much better. And of course, uh, the the presentation by uh, Greg Gildeman at Boeing the the uh, final day um, about the traffic it, uh, you see the the, the intercontinental uh, service is down 60 to 70 percent, some even more, and uh, to be in the uh, low uh, double digits uh, for air cargo is pretty remarkable. And I you know I spent a lot of years my life in this industry and I think everybody has to be aware how resilient and how significant our industry is and uh, this was driven home by that uh, traffic report. Um, uh, Wolfgang's uh, discussion about their plans. I think everybody is is looking to the future but uh, doing what they have to do to position themselves today. Well, thank you for that, uh,
0: a very nice summary of, of the event and, you, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of, of news items that came out uh, around and during the event and that really provided some, some fodder for, for discussion. Uh, I think maybe it would be interesting to start uh, with the with 777-300-ERSF. The, the I remember, you know, there, there has been some discussion about that program for, for more than a year now, um, the the launch order was uh, was announced in, in October of 2019, and I, I recall, you know, back to the previous discussions, you know, there were there were some questions around where that crater converted triple seven would would fit into to the market, and I, I think uh, initially it had been offered as as somewhat of a replacement option for. Uh, From some of the freighter converted 747s that are are currently in the the global fleet. And uh, with uh, the Kalida launch order, obviously, Kalida operates a number of the uh, the freighter 747 400 BCF, And that's certainly kind of aligning with uh, expectations around around that aircraft. Um, I guess, from your perspective, Jim, was. Was that much, uh, um, did that come as a a surprise to you to see the Colita taking the 777-300 DRSF?
1: is has been an interesting uh, operator to observe over all these years in that, um, you know, they focused early on uh, with uh, DC-8s and then went to 747s. But, um, you know, they've really... um, Diversified their fleet in the last several years, taking on triple sevens and 400Fs, uh, and so um, I really I have to be um, uh, admiring of their strategy. They're being very uh, uh, proactive, and uh, clearly uh, Richard Greener and GCA's are offering and IAI are offering a product that has a lot of potential and makes a lot of sense. We've heard a lot of of uh, why not questions over the years about the 777-300ER and, and what it could do, uh, its capability. And, uh, you know, you have to hand it to GCAS and IAI for bringing it to market. And you then have to compliment uh, Kalita for being the, the launch operator for that aircraft. So in some sense, I think based on Colita's more recent strategy, five to 10 years, um, they've proven to be an operator that um, is uh, opportunistic. And uh, so in some respects, it makes a lot of sense that they are the uh, launch operator for that uh,
2: aircraft type. I guess they um, they they told us that they'll be using these, well, these first three um, eventually to replace the, the older 747-400 BCFs. So I guess we that kind of confirms in a way the role that this this new model will play um, in the years to come. Um, And you also mentioned the um, A321, which um, just entered service. Um, What do you see, you know, do you see more interest coming in for this um, airplane as as more begin flying around the world? Um, And you know, despite the 757 feedstock situation. Um, I mean, we heard that 757 isn't, is still you know, has a decent life ahead of it. Um, what do you see, you know, for the A321? Well, it, it's interesting that you asked, Jeff,
1: because I paid very close attention to the operators as well as the lessors. Um, and it seems like right now, and I understand, uh, EFW's frustration um, that there's an awful lot of talk, and rightly so, about 737-800s. And there's multiple choices there in terms of conversion uh, uh, opportunities. But um, almost every single operator that uh, has 737 freighters of some type in their fleet, either classics or uh, 800s or next gens, and the lessors mentioned at one point in answering a question or making a statement that they were also keeping their eye on the A320 series. And I thought that's very interesting because many of these operators are at this point exclusively 737 or 757 operators. And uh, my guess is that if we were in Shanghai, um, we get the same kind of indication from the Chinese carriers that everybody's watching this aircraft. And um, one of the questions that I uh, was interested in asking uh, Wolfgang is, what were their, what was EFW's concerns and um, expectations uh, early on in the A321 P2F in-service experience? Because I think that's going to be telling how it works out. If that proves to be uh, more or less a 757 replacement, I think a lot of people are going to be, uh, a lot of operators and lessors are going to be drawn to that airplane. So I think, uh, I think it, uh, it offers some huge potential. And uh, I think EFW and the others that are getting involved in A320 series um,
2: are, uh, are aware of that. We uh, touched on this um, in the session yesterday, but how important do you think the lower deck um, containerization uh, abilities of of this this airplane is it's I think it out, yeah?
1: On, yeah, I think it depends on the operator. Um, I mentioned that one of the express carriers, who I, sh- I will not identify, specifically when they came to us for aircraft, even wide body, um, uh, did not want a mechanized system even on the main deck because they wanted to go with simplification. Um, but I, I really think that uh, containerization is here to stay. I think that there, there, can a very strong case can be made for um, a manual loading uh, in terms of the lack of ground equipment investment. But when you come to express operations, it's about speed. And efficiency and the investment, that kind of investment is not as significant a factor because your aircraft's carrying cargo exclusively. It's not about passengers versus cargo. So, I think, um, and I can tell you that that Boeing's well aware of it too. That for any new um, uh, aircraft in that size category, container is at least a containerized option is a must. And uh, Rob Malali at Uh, mentioned that uh, their sliding carpet was an option and that's certainly a viable and uh has proven successful but i think ultimately i think it's going to be containers i think that's a a a nice way to to frame frame it there
0: you know with the first aircraft in service with qantas that there's going to be I mean, many are many are certainly watching how that lower hold is being utilized and on the narrowbody uh, freighter conversion panel, uh, you know, there was also discussion of, you know, what what the first series of maintenance checks might look like for that aircraft, since uh, Airbus narrowbody freighters are, are are new to the market right now. Uh, Boeing currently dominates that space. Um, I think it was also interesting to hear from, from some of the appraisers that they still think that this program is is a few years off. Um, but definitely, the other the programs are, are are nearing maturity, but it's it's still going to be a few years, maybe before we we really have a clear picture of, of where this aircraft is into the market and you know how 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 well received it will ultimately be. Um, but it's certainly an exciting time for for narrow body freighters. I we're we're running a bit low on time, but I you know I Jim, I'm I'm curious. After after watching uh, the symposium as, a, as an attendee, you know if you could if you could wear the hat of maybe a, a junior uh, executive in attendance, was there was there kind of a, a key takeaway or a piece of advice that um, m- maybe stuck with you as, uh, as as we look
1: ahead to a continued difficult time for aviation as as a whole? Well, I, I've, I've said this when I was on the board multiple times at TIACA, but um, our industry is obviously a very unique uh, segment of air transportation. Um, we used to say that the only similarity between passenger business and cargo business is it was carried in a tube. But um, the air cargo industry is really. Uh, besides being unique, is really a very relationship-oriented industry, and those that uh, spend the time in in thoroughly understanding and studying um, the dynamics of the industry in every way, regardless whether they're a supplier, a shipper, a forwarder, uh, an airline, whatever, um, are in for a very rich... Uh, personally exciting and challenging time. And um, you don't have a lot of people that just sort of pass through the industry. Once they uh, get a taste of it, um, they stay. And you see that in the dynamics of some of your panels and the relationships and the long-term understanding. Um, This is a really, really uh, good place to be. I mean, commerce, is here to stay. And, um, and I think that oftentimes, the outside world, the other segments of the air transportation industry don't understand that. And there's a lot of uh, people that, um, you know, are looking for um, kind of the next ring, uh, or the next rung. And uh, I, I think, the air cargo industry is a very personal industry it's a very dynamic industry it's a very significant industry in terms of world trade and you know i can state say looking back over all these years the people you meet are just tremendous just great and they have so much information and so much experience where uh, the passenger side is not you know passenger business is a retail business the the air cargo business is is more of a wholesale business. So um, it's much more relational and uh, that's that's what I've really found um, satisfying and endearing in being part of this industry. So I would encourage somebody that's relatively new to hang in there, learn all they can learn, get all the experience and perspective you can from those that have been around a while and uh, really enjoy the ride because it, it's a, it's a great place to be. Jim, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's
0: that's great advice. And I, I really want to thank you for, for taking the time to join us on, on this episode of Cargo Facts Connect. It's been a lot of fun and, and a real pleasure to have you on on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, Jim. Thanks to both uh, you and Jeff and the entire uh Royal Media and CargoFax team. It really has been a pleasure, and I look forward to uh, seeing people in person at some point, not too far in the distant future. We're equally excited
0: for that. To those of you listening today, thank you for joining us on this episode of CargoFax Connect. Extensive coverage of CargoFax Symposium, including session recordings and analysis, is available on our website at www.cargofax.com. See you next time.